Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast, the final edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast for 2022. I'm so glad to be here with my old buddy, (coughs) sorry, my longtime buddy, (laughs) old buddy, huh? my old great hair friend, Grace (laughs) Gardog, Steve. (laughs) As your old buddy, I, I say that we're we're coming to the end of 2022, the last podcast, and we can say with Christ, Telestai, it is finished. It is finished. The year 2022 is over. We're ready for new beginnings and new frontiers to reach and new grace to be taught about. So all of this podcast is going to be dedicated to new stuff. Amen. And the greatest new thing ever is the new covenant to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for changing the covenants. I think a good place to start a podcast is always on a therefore. And one of my favorite therefores is Romans 5. You know that off the top of your head. Therefore, having been justified by by faith. faith. Let me read it in the Greek. Because there's something I never knew. Having been justified by faith, I kind of thought that it was my faith that got me into the new covenant. Oh, it took me so long, so long, so long. That was one of the hardest things for me to break the chains on thinking it was my faith and I had to have the faith and I believed that I doubted God and therefore I didn't know if I was even a a believer because if you don't have faith how can you call yourself a believer and (laughs) yeah I remember you were struggling with this so much one one night I was with you at the horizon the Christian nightclub (laughs) yeah yeah that was a great place wasn't it and this guy bless his heart he was trying so hard to explain it to you and he used the quarter in the payphone oh do you remember that that was like three o'clock in the morning he was going steve no it's your your faith is not meritorious then you finally said it's like this steve god gives you the quarter this is when there was payphones for dating ourselves. Yeah. God gives you the quarter. He makes the phone call. He does everything. And he's just asking you to put the quarter in the payphone. You remember that? Yes. And for all you younger people, a payphone is. <laughs> this was definitely before yeah. iPhones. A device where you actually paid to make a phone call. 
And uh, if you're really old, you remember when it was a dime. Yeah, isn't that true? Isn't that true? That's where that term drop dime came from. Yeah. When you report a crime. Yeah. Dropping a dime in the payphone and telling someone. Yeah, telling on somebody. This person was trying to convince you it's all God, but just a little bit from Steve, right? That's what he's saying. All you have to do is initiate it, maybe he was using the word. Yeah. Got to put the quarter in. That's what gets the faith started. And by putting the quarter in, he was saying for Steve to invest a little bit of his faith into the covenant to get us. Would you like to see what it really says in the Greek? I don't think I've ever looked this passage up before. It does encourage us to put faith in the covenant, but we're going to see what that actually means. You're going to put faith into something that is foolproof. Are you going to put faith in something that's done, that's already completed? Your faith is the last little piece that makes the puzzle complete. You're putting faith in a complete puzzle. Yeah. yeah, your faith is that the puzzle's already complete, not your faith is that if you use your faith, it completes the puzzle. And the reason you're putting your faith in a completed mystery or puzzle is because you've learned something along the way. And the thing you've learned is you actually don't have any faith. Because faith, as we've talked about before, faithfulness is a covenant term. Covenant to the law was God will do his part if you do your part, putting the quarter in the payphone. Theirs was a little more advanced than putting the quarter. It was a little harder than putting a quarter in the payphone. A little more of a fine-sounding argument. Your part under the law was to be found faithful in all 614 commandments then you were faithful to the covenant. And if you're faithful to the covenant, it's called being declared righteous. Another word that means exactly the same thing as being declared righteous is the word justified. Being declared righteous and being justified are what? Synonymous. Synonymous. They're interchangeable. They mean exactly the same. Let me read Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified, we just said that, means declared righteous. Declared righteous means what? Being found faithful. Since having been declared righteous, having been found faithful, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Was anyone ever found faithful? No, not one. No, not one. <laughs> you use enough that list off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, That's the conclusion. There is no one righteous. There is no one justified. There is no one found, what, faithful. faithful. No, not, not one. one. Romans the beginning of Romans 3, 3, 3, 10 and following. 
then we are desperately needing someone else's faithfulness. Yes. We are definitely needing someone else's righteousness. We are definitely needing someone else's justification. Mm-hmm. They all mean the same thing, right? Right. So, so far, all I got is bad news. There's no one righteous, no one justified, no one faithful. The word justified is a, find it here, bear with me a minute. Having been justified is a aorist, passive participle. Okay. Aorist is that unique Greek tense that means it happened at a point in time in the past, and really it happened long before the law was given, long before Abraham was in existence. Mm -hmm. This grace was given to us before the foundation of the world. Yes. Timothy. So having been declared faithful was credited to us long before even Adam. Having been justified, therefore, by faith, that word by is it's not the preposition dia, which would be what by means of mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. sometimes through. It's actually out of. It's ek. Having been declared faithful, having been justified, having been declared righteous, all means the same thing, by, out of, faith. And faith is, faith is a genitive singular noun. It's not a verb. It's a noun. Out of, that's why it would say out of, out of the noun. And genitive, when it a noun is in the genitive case, it shows ownership. There's only two people that could own, take ownership of this faithfulness. It's us or Jesus. Do you think Bill can take ownership of faithfulness? I tend to think not. Well, since faithfulness and righteousness, and what was the other word? Justified. Justified are the same thing. We know that there's no one declared righteous. You just read that in Romans 2, mm-hmm. right? 3. Romans 3. Romans 3. There's no one justified. No one righteous. No, not one. Someone else is going to have to own this righteousness, justification, or faithfulness. So it's either us or Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why Galatians says. And then I've heard always, and I'll get back to that, but where is that verse? I think that's in Romans also, too. Where then it is boasting? If it's if you're declared righteous by faith, where then is boasting? And it says it is minimized because it's only a little bit of our faith. Mm, no, it doesn't say. I know that. It doesn't yeah. say minimize. It says, it says excluded. excluded. And excluded means not even don't even think about yeah, yeah. You, you can't run that one past me Bill I'm, I'm sharper than that <laughs> if it was a little bit of your faith then you could say minimize it's minimize yeah it said it doesn't say minimize it says excluded so the faithfulness cannot be ours and I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point but you're it's not, important you're not at all 
I'm not doing it because I think it's important to realize that all the credit is not minimized by just a little bit of our faith. All the credit goes to him. So if it's the date of case, then it means this faithfulness belongs to someone. So we're justified by the faithfulness of someone. Did you mean to say genitive case? I did. What did I say? Dative. Dative. Yeah. Say it again. The genitive case, let me read it. This is what I want to say. (laughs) The genitive case refers to the case used used for a noun, pronoun, or adjective to show ownership. Someone owns this faithfulness. In the first covenant, which was the law I'm talking about, it was a two-party covenant. And I think the whole purpose of the first covenant was to show that one party had was faithful to the covenant or righteous to the covenant or justified justified by the covenant. And the other party was not justified, not declared righteous or unfaithful. Right? That would be us. Okay. So it's looking as we're running out of reasons to credit us for faith. Yes. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to Galatians 2. Exactly. And I'm going to go down to... That's where the genitive comes back into play. Yeah, you're right. It's the the faith is a genitive there, meaning someone has ownership mm-hmm. of it. Okay, so this is the confrontation where Peter is going back to the works of the law. Yeah. Which is man's righteousness, man's justification, man's what? Faithfulness. So Paul says in Galatians 2.15 to Peter, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing... The word knowing there is not the epinosis, it's seeing. And knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So let me read it the way it should. Seeing that a person is not justified by the works of the law, how would they have seen that they're not justified by the works of the law? Because they were tasked with keeping the law. For 2,000 years. And they saw every... Day of Atonement and all the sin offerings over and over and over. It seems like I'm seeing that we're not doing our part too well. Yeah. Okay. So we see this. Our Paul is telling Peter, someone under the law, that Peter, you know this. Meaning, you see this. This this is not a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go back to it. Yes. Seeing that. A person is not justified, declared righteous, or faithful by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. This one says, the NIV says, faith in Jesus. The King James, James which I got, does say by the faith of Jesus. Is it faith in Jesus or faith of Jesus? If it's the faith of Jesus it would be the genitive case again yes but there's no in 
in it. There's no E-N in it. There's not that's a preposition the, at all. That, that's the Greek word for in. The, there is no E-N. Right. right. They added that in right. the English translation. Yes. They left it up, or not they left it up. The, the translators supplied in in the NIV, I-N. Yes. And the King James, they supplied of. of. Yes, and if there's no E-N, you can't supply an I-N. No, you can't. You've heard it from Steve. (laughs) You've heard that from Steve. Wisdom from Steve. No E-N. You must acquit. (laughs) Steve's rules for Bible interpretation. Yes. Let's get to the bottom of this. Is not justified, declared righteous, found faithful by the works of of the law, but through faith of Jesus. Now, faith is... And you're going to see how faith of Jesus fits in context with the rest of the words in this particular passage. We're going to see it crystal clear. It is also in the genitive case. And since the name Jesus is there, who owns the faith? Jesus. Who possesses the faithfulness? Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, he had he said, "Have the faith of God." And then he yeah. says, "If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed." And if you have faith and don't doubt, you can. But first, it said, "Have the faith of." God, not human faith, but the faith of God. A not little bit of God's faithfulness faith moves mountains. Right. A large amount of human faith does nothing. Does nothing. Yes. If it's the faithfulness of Christ, because he's in possession of the faith, it's his faith, how can we really be sure that it's not a little bit of our faith in just believing in what he did. Well, he said, by works of the law. I never knew this for a long time, but when you read Matthew 23, 23, when Jesus is railing on the Pharisees, he says, he says, you tithe on your, not just your income, but apparently these guys. They're cumin and they're spices. Yes. These guys were faithful to that covenant. They took tithing seriously. Spice tithers. (laughs) Before the Spice Girls, there was the Spice spice Tithers. tithers. That's That's funny. That's funny. They took it serious. Mm -hmm. They took the law very serious, the Pharisees. Except the part about faith. Except the part about faith. Because what does Jesus go on to say? You tithe on your spices, your cumin and your mint. Good for you. Okay, well done. But you ignore the weightier matters of the law. And the weightier matter of the law he lists is faith. Yes. Or faithfulness. Yes. So, what can we conclude? We know that we are justified, not justified, not declared righteous by the works of the law, 
and your faith was a work of the law. It was called a weightier matter. It was one of the biggies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, actually, it's probably the number one issue to keeping the law. The law means if you keep it, you're declared righteous. We're going to say this over and over again because we, we want it to, to stick. You're declared faithful. Declared righteous and declared faithful are one and the same, aren't they? Yes, they are. Then whose faithfulness are we declared righteousness, righteous by? can only be the faithfulness of Christ because that, that's what it says in James. There's a living faith and a dead faith. There's a saving faith and a faith that doesn't save. The faith of Jesus, which is the living faith, the faith of the Spirit that is in us, is the saving faith. So the faithful life of Christ we're being credited for? Yes. Let's go back to Romans 5 1. Because okay. it only gets better from there. Romans 5 1. I'm going to read it in the NIV, the King James, and then we're going to break it down again. And I'm going to have Grace Scar Dog Steve break it down in light of what we learned about faithfulness and righteousness Good and justification. First, the NIV, then the King James, then. Guard Dog Steve interpretation. NIV. Therefore, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous, counted faithful, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. King James. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Both got peace in there. Both got justified and both got faithful. How do we interpret that, Steve, in light of your quarter in the payphone? In other words, well, the interpretation would be going, having been justified by a faith that is not our own, we have peace with God. Yeah. That's true peace. Yes. Because I thought so much of my life that I have to believe in Jesus or I'm not saved and I'm going to lose my salvation, especially when John chapter 3 says continually believing in Jesus has eternal life. That those who continually believe in Jesus. And when I heard that, it was the most terrifying thing to me because I kept going, I don't continually believe. A lot of times I'm doubting does that faith save me? Does that faith save me? And I've come to real, realize, no, it, it's the faith of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit that saves me. It's, it's not of human origin. And only then, and that was 15 years into my Christian ministry, only then could I actually have peace. I had to realize that it wasn't my faith before I could have peace because my faith kept doubting. Every time I would have a bad day, I would say, am I really a Christian? Am I a true believer? How about that word? 
true is he a true believer man that lets nobody have peace everybody can be considered not a true believer because the standard to be a true believer is perfection on any verb mentioned even when it's the one believing the verb believing you have to do that perfectly without ever doubting to get credit for your faith making you righteous otherwise you should depend on the faith or the faithfulness of Christ to make you righteous. The spirit in you, the ability of the spirit in you to believe and be faithful all day. And that's the thing. Jesus was faithful to the covenant he was under. He was and born is. under law, born of a woman, born under the law so he could be counted faithful to the law. Yes. Having been counted faithful to the law, he could end that the book on us ever being declared righteous or faithful by any works. And Romans 2, 3, 4 doesn't just include the works of the law. It's Includes the your conscience. Yes. And you mentioned that a while ago. You never had a clear conscience. Never had a clear conscience. Even though you didn't technically live under the law, but it says you had the, the law, the requirements of the law written on your conscience. Yes. And you didn't feel very good about it. I, I couldn't achieve perfection. And that's what Jesus said, be perfect. And if, if you could put me on a, some sort of grading curve, I might have been okay, but as far as I knew, there was no grading curve. The most disciplined people on the planet were the Pharisees. Yes. And they would, they had a couple times where they said, what do I got to do, Jesus, to get eternal life? And he, he said, you know the commandments. And he listed a few and they said, okay. We did it. But their conscience wouldn't be satisfied, would it? No, they had to ask again, what else, Lord, <laughs> what else? That did not satisfy my conscience. You gave me a, some verbs, and I do those verbs perfectly, but somehow my conscience is still not satisfied because there's 614 more verbs. You just want to go to those Pharisees. Would you shut up? He just <laughs> said that, <laughs> that you did enough. Yes. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but our conscience can't let it go, can it? No. It, it doesn't. And as long as you have this mixture of law and grace in your mind, you'll never be able to let it go. You'll never feel like you've believed enough. If you consider belief your part, if it's your faithfulness, what is enough faith? Jesus said the faith of a mustard seed. But you just illustrated it so beautifully, Steve. The faith of the the mustard seed faith of Christ is plenty. The mustard seed of our faith is never enough. The boulder sized faith of us is not enough. The mountain size mountain size <laughs> faith of us falls short. Yes. It is his 
faith. Yes, because it, it's a, a dead faith. You, you guys, you have to come to realize and come to terms with the fact that through the Gospels and the Epistles, it tells you and makes it perfectly clear that there is one faith. There's human faith, which counts for nothing, and then there's the faith of the Spirit, which lives in you, which counts for everything. And apart from that Spirit and that faith, you don't measure up through your faith and your spirit. And there's illustration after illustration. James does it. A living faith and a dead faith. A saving faith and a faith that won't save you. On and on it goes with illustrations of human faith or divine faith. And you have to understand and see those passages for what they are because they'll always tell you that human faith doesn't measure up, but divine faith, which you have in abundance. I came that you'd have life and you would have it in abundance according to the measure of faith given to you, Romans 12. You have that measure of spiritual faith that is given to you. You humanly produce a faith that does not work, it does not accomplish anything. And the things that that faith do amount to filthy rags in God's eyes. Just well said. Now he moves on from Romans 5.1. Since we have been declared righteousness by the faithfulness of God, we have peace. We're I bet at rest. he goes to 5.2. It does. <laughs> by whom, or by means of, his faithfulness, we have access by his faithfulness into this grace, this undeserved favor. It's undeserved because it's not our faith. It's his faithfulness. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of of God. And who is the hope of the glory of God? Christ, Christ in, in us. You. Yes. The hope of the hope of glory. Before it says that, it talks about this hope of glory, Christ in us, was a mystery hidden for generations past. It was the mystery what made Abraham do the good things he did. It was the mystery of the glory of God in making David do the good things he did. Both were illustrations of the faithfulness of God in the life of Abraham, the faithfulness of God in the life of David. And I think that's Romans 4, right? Yes. It's two illustrations mm -hmm. of, of what this looked like. They had it what, in advance, I guess, uh, of us, so we would see that it was David and Abraham both had this faithfulness of Christ working in them. From time to time. From time to time. I mean, in, in James makes it clear that in Abraham's case, it didn't manifest itself for 37 years. From the time Abraham was taken outside in, of the tent 
and had the promise to have a, a child at age 76 to 113 years old, Abraham never manifested that faith. And that's exactly what, and this is the bottom line on the subject, you, and the bottom line that you have to realize, but 1 Corinthians 12 says that faith is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, or 7 and 9, it says we've all been given manifestations of the Spirit, and to one prophecy, to one faith. To this certain person, the manifestation of the Spirit called faith was given to that person. And that's what our faith is. That's the bottom line to what our faith is. Our faith is nothing more than a manifestation of the Spirit. Never has been anything more and never will be anything more than a manifestation of the Spirit. If you've seen like Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith. He means I haven't seen such a great manifestation of the Spirit. In all Israel. In all Israel. It says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I always thought that meant he put up a little bit of belief. He actually believed him. Mm -hmm. He had a smidgen. But the word credited means credited with something you don't have. If you don't have money, you put it on credit. If you don't have faith, you're credited with his righteousness. It means Abraham believed God, God and it was credited to him as righteousness or credited to him as justification or credited to him as faithfulness. If it was his faith, he didn't need to be credited with faithfulness he could just say it he was credit he was abraham believed god and god said good boy and, and, and nice job are you saying abraham believed god and that actually was credited to him as believing that's exactly what i'm saying because the the same word credited is also in luke 22 37 do tell do Luke tell. 22, let me find it so I get it right. And I believe it's an Old Testament prophecy, too. Yeah, because this idea of what being credited with actually has a profound meaning to it. The idea that you're credited with something. We, we need to be able to have a mental picture of what it means to be credited. It means it didn't come from you. Exactly. You're getting something that you didn't produce. Yeah. Listen you, to this. You're calling into existence something that didn't exist. Yeah. Okay. The exact words of Paul. Yeah. In Romans 4. Talking about Abraham's faithfulness. Yes. Calling something that did not exist, exist as, as though, though it did. When he's specifically speaking about Abraham. Jesus who never sinned was credited with being a sinner. And it wasn't just a little bit of Jesus's sin that put him on the cross. No, he was credited. devoid of sin or void of sin. 
Okay. Luke twenty two thirty seven, as it is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. The word numbered is that same word for that we counted credited. Oh wow, they shouldn't have put numbered there. They they should have said he was credited as a with transgressor. Yeah. A transgressor is someone that doesn't keep the cup. Jesus kept the covenant. It's someone that doesn't transgress, but he, Jesus didn't transgress. So this is saying, but he got credit Credit. for transgressing, even though he didn't, which is the same thing as Adam got credit for believing, even though he didn't. Or Abraham got credit for believing. To the (laughs) the same amount of credit for Abraham believing has to be given to Jesus for sinning. Yes. For breaking the, the commandment. Because Jesus blatantly did not break any commandments. Obviously did not break any commandments. We know that because he was resurrected. Yes. Being resurrected meant that it was an acceptable sacrifice. Yes. It was an, a person that never sinned was credited for sinning on our behalf so we could be declared righteous or faithful. So when you see how the word credited is used in regard to Jesus, the person who didn't sin, being credited as a sinner, it gives you a lot of insight into Abraham being credited as a believer. Yeah. Wow, how do you describe that? Credited was something you didn't do. Yeah, calling things that do not exist as though they did exist. That the analogy that, that Paul it. gives in Romans is apropos. Just something that did not exist in Abraham, because that's what it goes on to say. It says, God calls things that do not exist as though they existed. And then it says, take Abraham, our father, in hope against hope, in in faith against faith. He he believed even though his body was a hundred years old in the barrenness of his wife's womb. He he believed when he didn't believe. He doubted and had sex with his maid to have children because he did not believe God. He fell down and laughed in God's face. And we're going to have to wait till almost next podcast because we're talking about what's coming up next is that we can rejoice in this hope, meaning we can rejoice in this credited righteousness in the future. And hope is a certainty. Yes. Hope and promise are pretty much interchangeable God wanting to sow the unchangeableness of his purpose war with a oath or the unchangeableness of his promise war with an oath so by two unchangeable things which is is impossible for God to lie we who fled to take hold of this hope would be greatly encouraged well that's what this is saying we can be greatly encouraged or we can rejoice by the idea of being credited as believers. 
by being credited as believers, now we have access into more of the faithfulness of Christ. And we this, have access into grace. Yeah, excuse me, that's what it says. Yes. Access into this grace in which we now stand. And we're waiting because we know that not only are we declared righteous, we're going to be supplied more faithfulness in the future. Every day we get As we, some yeah. faithfulness that we didn't produce, that the Spirit produced through us. Well, that makes me happy. Yes. I got something to look forward to. It gives me peace because I really, really did worry about whether I was a true believer or not. That, that had me going. That was one that the hooks, I got hooked by that. And the chains held tight onto me for many years about whether I was a believer or whether I was believing enough or good enough to make the standard as a believer, to be, cons to be credited as being a believer. But I realize now, and we're trying to bring that out, that you're credited with something you didn't do, and it's a gift from God. That's why I can say, what do you have that you haven't received? And if you have received it, why do you boast as though you haven't received it? Everything that you have, if you have whatever you call it, of ha having faith... What would be the word? Possessing faith. Yeah, if you have... Manifesting faith, faithfulness. Yeah, yes. If, if you get credit with possessing faith, then it's because it was a gift. It wasn't because brag you about had it. it. Yes. Right. Right. That's why it says you've been saved by grace through faith, and this was not of yourselves. It was the gift of God. The faith was a gift of God, lest any man boast again. Because there's times where you're just believing God. Yes. And you're going, I'm at peace. I, which, didn't that what it said? We have peace with God, mm -hmm. and we have hope, mm -hmm. and I believe in God. But don't lose sight of the fact that you were gifted that that faith. It's not your faith. It's his faithfulness. You thank God for it. And you tell everybody else around you that it's not my faith. It's God's faith. And that's what the makes the gospel. It's not just, okay, slate's white clean. From now on, you guys got to start believing me. Mm -hmm. I, I did all this for you. You got to mm -hmm. do your part now. Right. Come on. Right. I, I Look what I did for you. Come on, do your part now. Yeah, and just like Peter a few hours later denied God three times, denied Jesus three times, in a couple hours after me being strong in faith now, I could literally believe that God gave me a flat tire, that he hates me and is totally against me and kick and scream and act horrible. <laughs> There's a really cool picture in, in what you just said where Peter gets restored by Jesus on the sea I think of Galilee and they're out fishing and they catch a load of fish that all the disciples could not haul into the boat or haul up on shore Peter spots Jesus and gets restored and then it says Peter went out 
took the whole net of fish by himself and drug it up to shore. Did it really? Yeah. I never. It never dawned on me that that's what it actually said. Yeah. So wow. he was strengthened with some kind of power. Yeah. All of them couldn't lift it. He did it what, by himself. Wow. Wow. I think but, we but should. But in the strength of Christ. I think we should continue this into the next podcast. We barely got into verse two. So we, let's do we that. We did one and a half verses, and it, it just gets better. Okay. Maybe we'll, we'll pray for this podcast and, and say there's a part two of it. Possibly want, a part three, four, and five. Yep. Yeah. Do you want me to close us? Um, yeah, Father God, thank you. Please establish us and plant us like a tree planted near the water that bears fruit in every season because it's planted near the water, Father. Please plant us so our roots can dig deep and we can be well-rooted in this truth that you are the source of our faith, that our faith is actually a manifestation of you. And it's a manifestation of your faith, Father, your faith coming through us or ek, out of us. Your faith, though, it's your faith, and we do not have that burden because for years I thought I had that burden, and it tormented me. It tormented me, Father, and you know it. So please give people roots so that they can not blow in every wind of doctrine like it says in Ephesians, in the cunningness and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemings, let no fine-sounding arguments persuade anybody otherwise other than your faith manifests itself through each and every one of us and we get credit for the faith that you manifest in us, Father, let us take root in that one single solitary thought. In your son's name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone, and Happy New Year in a few few days, I guess. Yes, yes. Merry Christmas. Hope you all had a good Christmas, and we wish you a Happy New Year, and we just want to say we love you. Good night. Good night.